0: Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Kia ora and welcome to the Kiwi Birth Tales podcast. I am your host, Jordan. I am mum to two beautiful little boys, Jai and Ali. I also host the Your Birth Project online hypnobirthing course and the Mini Kiwis First Aid course for parents of under five-year-olds. And I have an online store attached to Your Birth Project, which encompasses everything pregnancy, birth and postpartum related. So just absolutely love that side of the business. I'm also a very, very passionate storyteller and a lover of all things birth. So hence why I am leading you on this podcast. I'm not an advocate for any particular type of birth or model of birth care, I am simply here to hold space for this platform for you to share your beautiful stories with us all. You'll hear stories of joy, of heartbreak, of love, of loss and each family has a different experience to share. I'm trying to bring to light stories that we often only tell in the darkest of places or to our closest of friends, but really are so important for everybody to hear. So I hope that you love the podcast of these beautiful families all over Aotearoa, and I will let you jump into the podcast now. Enjoy. This week's episode of Kiwi Birth Tales is very proudly brought to you by Edwards & Co., Edwards & Co. are a Kiwi-owned and operated family business and they sell an incredible range of baby gear. We actually have their Otto and their Oscar G3 stroller, so their older model of the Oscar. They now have a new release which is the Oscar MX and it's an all-terrain three-wheel buggy with a reverse seat and plenty more really cool features. They also have a range of really incredible baby sleep products and they are Just launching today, which is very exciting, Uh, accessories to go along with their line. So they've got a really beautiful premium pram caddy a picnic blanket and a stroller blanket for those colder months. So I just think that Edwards & Co. are the most amazing company. I have worked with them a lot in the past and I cannot recommend their products enough. Just such a huge fan of Mark and Christian and Emily and the whole team there. So just, yeah, really love um, everything Edwards & Co. So super grateful that they were willing to sponsor this week's episode of the podcast and you can find them at Edwards Co, baby. Or by doing a quick internet search, edwardsandco.nz. Thanks so much for sponsoring this week's episode of the podcast team. I absolutely love you all and yeah, super grateful, Edwards and Co. In this week's episode of Kiwi Birth Tales, I speak with Zazie and you may know her from at ZaziePlays on Instagram. We talk through her pregnancy and birth experiences, which include a miscarriage, which was her first experience with pregnancy and then falling pregnant with August. There's a lot to unpack in that pregnancy journey and then we talk through a C-section birth with August. We talk about how she felt postpartum and some rage feelings which came up um, and associated with sort of sleep deprivation and where that came from and how she found help for that which I think is a really important topic to cover and then we talk through falling pregnant with Etta and what that looked like into an elective C-section. So just a really interesting episode. I loved talking with Zazie, and I know that you're going to enjoy it because I've had so many requests for this episode. So let's jump into it. Hi, Zazie. Thanks so much for joining me on the podcast today. Kia ora. Thanks for having us. No problem. Would you like to tell the listeners a little bit about you and who is in your family?
0: Kia ora. my name is uh, Zazie uh, and uh, my partner is John and I now have two delicious children, August <laughs> who's 2.7, two, yeah, two years and seven months <laughs> and Etta is uh, 17 weeks this week.
1: Cool and do you want to talk us through, um, I obviously found you through um, Instagram so do you want to talk us through a little bit about what you share on there and yeah what you do for work? Sure. Uh, I am a
0: speech and language therapist by trade uh, and I started my blog Zazie Plays in lockdown basically to keep my brain busy. I just felt like I was melding into making pack lunches and I wasn't using any of my skills. Uh, and there was actually someone else that I followed that was sharing advice for free. And I just thought, Hey, I want to do that. I want to uh, stop mums from having to worry as much as we do mm. as mothers. Uh, as I Googled everything, every 10 minutes, <laughs> goodness, there's just so much to worry about. Uh, so I thought, look, I'll give, um, I'll give my two cents. I'll offer some people some free advice and just share how I play and talk to my son to support his language development. Uh, and that's grown into an amazing community of, of people. And, um, and we've, you know, we've brought out our own products and stuff since then. So, uh, yeah. yeah.
1: Awesome. Amazing. Very cool. And do you want to talk us through what the journey was like to pregnancy for you and John the first time around?
0: Sure. Well, actually, we uh, we decided that we wanted to start trying, and we were. Uh, and then we experienced a miscarriage uh, in 2018. So that was a, a pretty rough start to the, yeah. to the process. Yeah. Um, we uh yeah we lost our little one at maybe at around seven eight weeks I think uh, I remember going to the first scan and, and it measuring the baby measuring smaller than I'd sort of estimated and when I was going back and doing the maths I was thinking this isn't this mm. cannot be working that's you know didn't never thought it'd add up to miscarriage so that was a really quite a sad start mm. uh so we took a few months off uh and then were delighted to find out that we were pregnant again and I um the the running joke is that I never tell John first when I find that I'm (laughs) pregnant I I, I try and call him and he never picks up so I tell a whole handful of other people and then he finds out last Uh, yeah
1: yeah awesome. and how were you feeling in that first trimester did you have many pregnancy symptoms in those first 12 weeks
0: uh yeah for sure I just sort of felt like I had been hit by a truck it's like Mm. the world's worst hangover I think yeah uh, and working through that was incredibly difficult. Um, I just, uh, I had a new job and I was in a um, a management position and I was supporting a lot of people. And it was, uh, whilst I told, I told a lot of friends, I'm really passionate about telling people about your pregnancy and not, you mm. know, not waiting to share and, and enjoy that. Um, I told a lot of friends, I hadn't really told, uh, the workplace and trying to hide being, you know, being <laughs> super hungover, you know, having uh, crackers in my desk drawer and mm. um wearing a lot of blush I do not look as painfully sick but uh I I've never really been a vomiter I feel incredibly uh nauseated mm. but uh sort of not sick yeah I'm lucky in that respect
1: yeah yeah awesome and did you choose a midwife for your care yeah uh,
0: actually it was a midwife that my colleague had had and when I was going through a miscarriage that colleague had been incredibly supportive and had come along to appointments with me that John couldn't mm-hmm. and once I'd been at her house and a midwife came around and that midwife was really supportive and kind uh, around my miscarriage so it just felt like I knew someone uh, so I reached straight out to her and um, she you know came on board straight away and she's been my midwife for both of my
1: littleies. yeah Awesome. And how were you feeling from a mental health perspective in terms of experiencing loss in your first pregnancy and then um, having a pregnancy the second time? Did you feel any anxiety or yeah, what were your feelings there?
0: I think uh, I'm quite an anxious person as is. I'm quite a worrier and I do feel like I'd had time to process uh, my first loss Uh, and I guess that isn't something that plagues isn't the right word but you know that isn't something that plays on my mind I'd I feel like I'd I'd done what I needed to move on from that so um I was just left with uh the yeah the the constant worry the constant worry every time I went to the toilet is there going to be blood there when I wipe is that going to be the start of something uh uh, nothing like the worry when you actually have your kids at the end, but yeah, definitely, <laughs> yeah. uh, I was concerned as you would be that, that something yeah. was going to go wrong and that I was going to lose that little one. Uh, mm. But that was throughout the pregnancy. That, was, that wasn't just in the first trimester.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And what was your pregnancy like from there? Did you sort of have symptoms subsiding in the second trimester and did you find out the sex of your baby and yeah. What was the rest of your pregnancy like?
0: Yeah. Uh, I think, and uh, my sickness and general inability to walk anywhere without panting and wanting <laughs> to cry, uh, finished at around. I want to say like 11, 12 weeks around that spot. And I sort of perked up and became a bit more human and was able to tell my colleagues and mm-hmm. be all out in the open. Most people had realized that I was, you know, cramming my face full of crackers <laughs> and not able to really participate. You know, I was arriving to meetings with food and then yeah. pretty much yeah. eating it myself. So I didn't vomit on someone's face. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, I, everything subsided at that point and then uh around the the 19 week scan I found out that I was having a little boy but I actually managed to keep it a complete secret um my me and John knew but we didn't tell anyone else and we managed to use um gender neutral pronouns for the rest of the pregnancy so that it was a surprise to everyone but uh my best friend really
1: yeah yeah awesome and did you do the other sort of standard testing that you offered in your pregnancy
0: Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Anything that was offered, I guess I had. I also yeah. ended up having to have um, extra scans uh, as I went along. Uh, I think that was because of uh, I was diagnosed further along with high blood pressure.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. OK, cool. Um,
0: that I, that it was a funny story how that happened. Actually, I went into work and I saw a bomb. My colleague came to me and said, Zaz, there's a bomb in the hallway, and I went, and there was a bomb in the hallway, and oh everyone was evacuated, and it was incredibly stressful. And then the, there was loads of place. Everyone came, and turns out some bloke had left some electrics lying around, but it was a box with red tubes on the top with wires mm. swelling out of it. Like it, it couldn't have looked more like a bomb if you'd <laughs> made it in like a craft activity Mm. and um and then a half hour later I had to be at the hospital and they were like well your blood pressure's through the roof and I was like well I just saw a bomb (laughs) I'm "I'm not expecting anything else uh that was around the 27 week mark but that actually sort of started a bit of a downhill for us we um I had that high blood pressure and the doctors then said oh there's a bit of protein in your urine and then they all started to, to go on a bit of a panic and they pretty much said within a couple of hours we're expecting that you might have your baby in a couple of days I guess they jumped to preeclampsia and thought that mm. they'd expected me to um, decline so that was incredibly uh, emotional for John and I I remember I suppose just sitting in the ward like sobbing mm. uh, and then you know people came around like people from NICU came to talk to us about having a preemie baby and we, we, we were I guess mentally prepared for this outcome and then Two days passed and nothing changed and then they were sort of like, actually you're good, go back to work. <laughs> so in terms of in terms of roller coaster, that really threw yeah. us. It, um definitely made us feel incredibly lucky for every day more of the pregnancy that we had.
1: Yes. Yeah. yeah, awesome. And did you do any um antenatal classes or birth education or anything like that going into your labor?
0: I did. I did antenatal classes. Uh were nightly I think for a few weeks. Uh, I don't feel like I got a whole lot out of them if I'm honest. Mm. Uh, I think I'm also a person a little bit in denial. I think (laughs) I don't think I at any point processed the fact that I was gonna have have a baby. I'm if I'm really honest I think I'm one of those sort of like last minute people who coughs with something as I absolutely need to and yeah. I was blanking out the rest of it I'm one, I'm also one of those people who reads everything on the entire internet so anything <laughs> that was of interest to me I was you know deep googling and felt like I was filling yeah. myself with information but not at all really preparing for what was to come
1: yeah <laughs> yeah and did you have much of a birth plan or sort of thoughts on how you wanted your birth to go Uh, Not really. Uh, The
0: my overarching sort of need was that the baby came out healthy. I wasn't really bothered which way things went. I predicted that I'd probably opt for um, uh, whatever meds could be thrown my way. I'm all about (laughs) not feeling a whole lot of pain. Didn't want to go through a whole lot of drama to get to the 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 winner's line. Uh, So yeah I just said that I would go with the floor I didn't prepare any music I didn't have anything it was just like I will turn up and I'll have a baby hopefully and everything will be all right
1: yeah yeah awesome and what about preparation for birth were you doing any antenatal expressing or raspberry leaf tea or any of that other stuff that google tells you can help with your labor no i wasn't and i think that's because uh i they said because of my high blood pressure
0: and was it maybe my weight as well they said maybe it was my bmi there was a whole host of things that i was seeing an obstetrician for okay. uh Oh, I think it's because I've got this, th- I used to have this thing where I used to hear my heartbeat. It's called pulsatile tinnitus. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a special type of tinnitus. And I think they were, they were worried about that. So, and it's to right. do with your, um, cerebral spinal fluid being too high or something. So I was seeing an obstetrician from quite early on and all of those things added up. They just said, look, we'll induce you at 38 weeks. So there was never a reason for me to sort of be trying to bring labor sure. along. Yeah. Uh, but when close to my induction, I absolutely um, did as much expressing as I could.
1: Yeah. Awesome. Cool. And do you want to talk us through your labor starting? Was it spontaneous? How far along were you? And then into your birth story?
0: Sure. So um, 38 plus two, I think they asked me to come in and that was going to be my induction day, Uh, induction evening. So um, I came in with John, super excited, thinking this is happening tonight. Not really processing what was happening tonight, but (laughs) it's happening. Uh, And uh, I think they started with uh, either gel or tape. One of those. They started with one of those and waiting, 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 waiting. Absolutely nothing happened. Thinking, well, this is easy doors. The next morning uh, I had some more gel and nothing happened. And then a bit later I had some tape. Absolutely nothing happened. I was (laughs) bouncing around on a Swiss ball. Any little bit of twinge, I was thinking, oh, this is the beginning. And then, you know, nothing was happening. Mm. Uh, So then they said, look, we're thinking about giving you a, a Foley catheter, which for anyone who's listening who doesn't know, it's like, one of those long balloons that that balloon artists use it's like it 's in <laughs> place into your cervix and they blow up the end of it to sort of uh, get your cervix to start moving and do doing something, so they took they said we 're going to put this in and we 'll take you to the delivery rooms and give you some gas and air and By that point you t- I just felt like i couldn 't even advocate anything for myself you'd never heard of these things, and I was mm. just like, "Oh yeah, sure, we 'll go do that." um and though i've never experienced birth that was excruciating i think my cervix is up and to the left and around the corner somewhere <laughs> but it really took some effort for them to get there uh, and i was i was using gas and air to no avail really i was floating through space but in pain uh and they finally got this uh this foley catheter in my cervix and the, one of the midwives was like why are you shaking and i was like well i've just that was extremely extremely painful and I don't think, I don't know if they maybe thought that was a different reaction. I don't know where my cervix <laughs> was. But anyway, I didn't respond well to that at all. And I was in pain for quite some time with that Foley catheter. Yeah, waited for more hours, hours and hours past. We watched every eleven episode of everything on Netflix. <laughs> and then, uh, they, then this woman comes, through, you know, you get getting checked, nothing's happening. It's meant to fall out when your cervix starts to um, yeah. starts to move. And this woman, the uh, midwife came in and she's carrying like a drip, like a bag of liquid. And mm-hmm. I was like, fabulous, they're going to pump me through a liquid and that's going to support something. And she said, no, the obstetrician has asked that I hang this from your Foley catheter. And I was like, mm-hmm. you, you what? And she proceeded to hang a bag of water from the tube that was hanging from my cervix oh so my gosh. I was I know I've, not, I've, I've never heard of it no neither <laughs> neither and I've never it, it was just like archaic and I was stand. she was like just standing like walk around a bit and it was embarrassing it was like mm. having this big long thing hanging like down past my clothes um hanging from my cervix yeah it was like some awful game show mm. thing uh and I remember just like uh catching eyes with a woman across the ward uh who was also doing the same thing and just thinking what is happening to us <laughs> as we're like told to walk the corridors with a swinging bag of water mm. hanging from your like between your legs like by my ankles it was just nuts um so that happened for a few more hours and then i went to get that taken out and uh the the obstetrician bloke did a very thorough intense check that was extremely painful and then he just said look, your cervix hasn't gone anywhere. Your options now are for us to use the words break into your cervix or have mm. a C-section. And Gosh. hearing the terms break into your cervix was enough to make anyone run. And I just yeah. said, yeah, absolutely. I'll have a C-section. By that time, I was, it was just sort of hilarious. I was giddy. This is all stupid. And I was mm. waiting for, for this baby that wasn't arriving. So I said, yeah. Um, and it was kind of like the end of a shift and everyone was just like, we want to get this done. Like the midwives mm. looking knackered and it was like, right, we're going to, you know, shave you, get you ready, get you in a gown, chuck John in a gown. We didn't even have time to like grab our phones or anything. It just kind of went from a check to, we're going to take you to a ward now, uh, mm. to a surgical room. And, uh, and they did just that. We got tucked into gear and, uh, got taken to a room somewhere upstairs. It wasn't the usual room that had all been shut. And we got taken to an OR and, um, and I got a sp- spinal uh, thing. Yeah. Spinal? What do we call it? Oh, tip. That was well, something like that. Yeah. Uh, and then I just went in, and uh, my midwife arrived, and she seemed to be only there really briefly. It was just like, I'm here to to see you through with this i'd actually arranged for a birth photographer to come along and i'd and i'd already negotiated that if it was to go to c-section she was going to be allowed in Mm -hmm. so she arrived she was got into all the gowns got already and she was at the door and they changed their minds Mm -hmm. uh so she then had to wait downstairs and uh august was born at uh i think something like quarter past nine at night and he came out just perfect, which was wonderful. His Apgar scores were wonderful, and he came out, and uh, there was, uh, I guess, just no concerns there. I just, I just couldn't believe that he'd come out of my stomach somehow. Yeah, and yeah. I couldn't believe how it felt like. It's such a, I know that you've experienced a, a C-section. It's such a rumbly feeling. It is like rumbly. they <laughs> are all up in there. You're being sort of like wriggled and and pulled and. uh and I, my doctor friend was saying that they put that they cut you then they stand with their hands in you and pull back to like tear your stomach mm. up you know, like the, the things that you're going through behind that curtain is quite uh tumultuous there's <laughs> <laughs> a lot yeah
1: yeah and so did they place august on your chest or what sort of happened from there
0: it was really cold in there and well i said that i wanted yeah some skin to skin he was taken first over to the um the the table to, I guess to be checked over by a pediatrician and yeah and anyone and John cut the cord and I was just sort of watching from a distance I definitely that was the time where I felt the most sort of like shocked and lonely yeah. everyone was over there with the baby and I was that's where I wanted everyone to be I guess but that, I was just you know my my rock John had run over to be with yeah. our new love of our lives and I was lying on a table literally open and just feel like oh my goodness yeah. like what I'm on my own uh and then my midwife just said look uh zazie it's really cold in here we're going to wrap him up and um and i got to sort of cuddle him. he was half held by me half held by john sort of on my chest and around um and my midwife helped me to do tried to help me to to latch him because we've shown lots of interesting in breastfeeding but i I, I guess at the time my anatomy my i've got big boobs plus lying on my back plus not having never done that before Mm. just wasn't going well so um i thankfully had that expressed breast milk and uh which we uh john gave him in a syringe and my midwife was helping me express while i was lying there so Mm. you know those hands on on my boobs at all times sort of trying to get more milk out um during recovery and stuff and i just remember feeling um just in complete shock and your legs mm-hmm. are totally numb and then one leg comes back quicker than the other and <laughs> yeah. you think that you're then paralyzed on one side you know there's a lot of worry mm. plus uh, there's a suddenly a new life that you've got to care for
1: yeah yeah and did john stay with you in the hospital
0: he did. I was incredibly lucky the first time around to be put in a room, a separate room, which meant that he could stay. In the first instance, they didn't. They pushed me onto a ward and my photographer was there to take some pictures, but it was just like, it was late at night. It was awkward. And the thankfully someone said there's a room spare and we'll put her yeah. down here. So I was placed in a room and we, that first hour, we had a photographer there to capture those moments. And so that was amazing. Got yeah. some fabulous fabulous pictures um and John was able to stay with me so um I ended up staying I think it was around four nights that mm. I ended up staying uh maybe five uh just while they monitored my blood pressure and kept an eye on me and then August ended up quite jaundice as well so there was always another reason why I needed to mm. to sort of stay another night but thankfully he stayed with me on an uncomfortable little uh chair but I could you know I really couldn't have done it without him that first time I yeah. think when you first cut open and all those muscles are Mm. severed I just had nothing in me I was in agony I was taking every drug that I was offered Mm. and I was asking for them I couldn't sit up I couldn't lie down I couldn't move you know getting to the toilet or to look after myself at all was was excruciating so Mm. um John did basically all cares for the for little August and I just was the breastfeeding sleeping sort (laughs) of machine
1: yeah yeah And how did you feel going home from the hospital? Obviously you've had a huge surgery, you've got a new baby. It's just, yeah, like um, life-changing, totally life-changing experience. So how did you feel once you got home? And, yeah, do you want to talk us through those first days and weeks at home with all this? Uh, Well, when I
0: first got home, I had my mum – my mum. I don't know why I said mum. My My mum and my dad uh, were there for the first – year day and a half, uh, and then they flew home. Um so it first, it just felt like there was a lot happening. There was a lot in my house and there was a lot of other hands for the baby. And I was just sort of sleeping whenever I could. Uh, and then it was, it was sort of nice when I, when they left and it was just John and I and we could sort of get into a rhythm. Mm. Uh, for some reason we ended up sleeping in the spare room. I, none of us could remember why we ended up doing that, <laughs> but we were sleeping in a different room, the wrong way around in the bed so that our heads could be closer to, uh, the, the, the bassinet that we'd squeezed <laughs> in there. Uh, it was just, everything was just a bit odd and we were just really, I was highly, highly anxious. I definitely would have said that I had postpartum depression slash anxiety. I was worried about every damn breath. That August was taking, and I, uh, I just felt like I never really got a solid mm. night's sleep those first few weeks because every second I was like, "Well, are you breathing? Are you still yeah. here? Are you still, you know, what's going on for you?" So uh, definitely high worry. But John had two weeks off, which was a joy, and then uh, he went back to work, and it just sort of felt like um, August and I had been left to, mm. to conquer the world on our own. It was I, I loved it actually. We'd wake up and listen to the Beatles every morning and just. <laughs> You know, plod through the days. Yeah. I, I I just felt like I'd um I'd been waiting all my life to mm. to, to have that time and to do that, but i had been made made to do that. Really,
1: yeah, yeah. And when you talk about that sort of depression or anxiety type feeling, um, did that only last a couple of weeks, or did you feel like that sort of continued um, throughout your postpartum period? Or yeah, what happened? There?
0: I think that would have lasted throughout. Definitely, the anxiety around him. It, it, breathing or you know just existing would have subsided quite soon and I actually did have one of those those heart rate monitors that goes on the kid's foot so that's for me that reduced so much anxiety because it was like an app is telling me that he's breathing and (laughs) I've made it all technical and I'm good now um but I would I I don't think I would have acknowledged it until way later or maybe even Mm -hmm. the second pregnancy but you know uh, I was experiencing a lot of postpartum um stress I was feeling really anxious when things weren't going right Mm. uh especially around sleep I was feeling lots of um sort of like rushes of anger that I had no control over that were like all consuming and thankfully you know I've got a wonderful partner and we're really good at communicating so it became a bit of a joke I was like I am raging with anger with you right now (laughs) for no reason John you've done absolutely nothing wrong but let me tell you this is what I'm feeling um so uh i i did get some support for that postpartum maybe it's about a year uh a year and a couple of months postpartum i ended up seeing someone and i went to see a psychologist for a while which was really supportive and she helped pick apart why that had sort of come up for me yeah uh, and you know i'm really privileged to have had that that bit of support
1: mm, yeah for sure and is there anything else in terms of like your physical recovery that was of note or yeah. How did you find your C-section recovery went from birth?
0: Um, it almost felt like I'd been sewn up incorrectly and I know I wouldn't have been, but it, like, I don't think anyone told me either. You don't really plan for a C-section to you. No one tells mm. you. So I hadn't have any information. And, I, and, and if someone did tell me something postpartum, you know, your brains are safe at that point. So I don't feel like anyone ever said to sort of stand up straight or to, use mm. whatever back muscles or anything. So I was genuinely walking bent over like a 90 yeah. year old for the first like 2 weeks. it felt like I couldn't stand up straight. Yeah. Um and I definitely begged for them to give me some medication for home. I, just, mm. I don't know how people go home with paracetamol. I really no, do I really not. not. <laughs> uh, um I think that slowly just sort of subsided the love of August and the need to have to pick him up and move him and do everything. You just sort of have mm. to get on with it. Um and that subsided and then um There was a little bit of a question of whether my wound had opened a little bit, uh, but that sort of went away. Uh, It's in an awkward
1: place. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. That,
0: that cut. And if you're any sort of bigger plus size woman, you know, my cut was like under the, the leftover pregnancy fat and everything. Mm. And you've, you've got to keep that area dry and, um, it, uh, I, st- I for a while still got like phantom pains I guess I think I still yeah. get them like phantom sort of like stabbing pains in that wound and mm-hmm. it's an incredibly numb area um I was recently told by a woman's health uh physio to, you meant to massage it you meant to intensely massage it and I had no idea and do I still do I do it nope I should I don't
1: <laughs> yeah and how did you sort of or did you and John um Share responsibilities as a couple when John ba- went back to work, or yeah, what did that, what did that look like?
0: Oh, I'm so lucky. John's amazing. So um it just sort of went that we did everything together. We were pre- pretty much doing all night workings together as well. Like I'd wake up and do the feeding mm. part, but then he would wake up to do any sort of nappy changing and re-swaddling and the putting down part. So yeah. it almost, always felt like a sort of team sport and and Mm. that definitely reduced my you know staring eye dagger eyes at him when he was sleeping (laughs) you know it just felt like there was we were doing this together um and uh you know he did a lot of the the cooking and the organizing and the you know he's just a he's just a way more organized person in general than Mm. I am so he was um holding us together holding the fort together and uh sharing the lord wherever physically possible really
1: yeah awesome Cool. And we obviously know that you have little Etta. So mm-hmm. um, do you want to talk us through falling pregnant with her and, yeah, mm-hmm. how you found out and what that was like?
0: Yeah, we, I had to wait that sort of year that they recommend after um, after having your first via yeah.
1: second, So I waited a year and then I wanted to wait
0: a little bit longer while I got reestablished in my job and didn't want to just run away again to have another baby. Uh, and then once we decided that we were going to try, uh, I think we decided in like October twenty. 20- 2020 and then we were um we fell pregnant in the January 2021 um so we were I was just absolutely ecstatic I already sort of knew what to feel and what sort of the early pregnancy signs were for me so Mm -hmm. um as soon as you know that happened I was just over the moon and I had a um I've been testing a lot you know when you're trying you're you're testing and you're you're worried every cycle you're like right I'll just do this test oh, I won't waste another pregnancy test oh but I will at <laughs> like 2am because I'm desperate to know what's happening um so I think I'd, I'd been ovulation testing and I went into the bathroom and I was like I should do an ovulation test um which I did but then I was like oh, I just want to do this other test this posh pregnancy test that my friend Mm. had given me because she's done with having babies and it was one of those posh digital ones and in my head I was like Zaz you're wasting this plummet test but you just can't physically stop yourself and then the ovulation test came back like glaringly two lines and then (laughs) the other one said pregnant plus and I just burst out crying and ran into John and scared the living crap out of him (laughs) it's like what's wrong with Zaz Mm. but um yeah we um was so excited
1: yeah yeah, awesome. Cool. And what was that first trimester like? Was it much different to August's pregnancy?
0: No, it was very much the same. No vomiting, feeling like I wanted to vomit every second. Mm. Incredibly tired. You know, couldn't walk more than a few metres without feeling miserable about it. Um, it just heightened, though, because then you've got a to- like the little toddler running around, mm. and it's just you come home and you're looking at your toddler and you're thinking, please sit still, like please don't move because I don't have the capacity to run mm. around after you. Um, so it's definitely uh, for me, it was more trying the second time
1: round. Yeah, yeah, for sure, I can definitely definitely relate to that. <laughs> yeah. um, and you said that you had the same midwife for your care
0: yeah i straight away got in contact with her and said what i wanted i did feel a little bit guilty around that because i knew going into the pregnancy with etta that i wanted a c-sector the second time around i knew that i'd be offered one and it'd be put on the table and i knew that i wanted to take it which is quite controversial really Mm. um and I think there's something, I don't know for sure, but I think there's something in the midwife world where they don't get paid as much as a community midwife if you're going to have a C-section. So I, I almost went into it with guilt, which I think is a feeling that, that we shouldn't be having.
1: Mm. Yeah, I think you're right. I think um, if you're having an elective C-section, the pay structure is slightly different, mm. um, which is just bizarre, right? <laughs> the mm. whole, anyway, we won't go into the midwifery pay thing, yeah. but... Um, yeah i'm i'm really keen for you to talk us through your mindset around having an elective cesarean because i've got lots of mums who message me in the position of deciding whether they should have an elective or try for a vaginal birth so i would love to hear a bit more about um yeah where your thoughts were at and and how you landed at your decision
0: sure well um I think I sort of stray away from this notion that everything should be all natural. I get the feeling as a as a foreigner you know i'm from the u k as a foreigner. Mm. The feeling that I felt here as an adult was that there was lots of pressure on mums to be super au natural uh, and for, for to do everything without any sort of pain medication mm. and and stuff and and my view is that my view is that you, you do what you can and the, the, the joy is getting your child at the end of it. It's not sure. getting through an extreme amount of pain. I mean, for, for what, you know? Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm a mad feminist, you know? I just feel like if a man was giving birth, <laughs> he'd chuck everything at him. He'd have absolutely everything. He'd have two weeks in hospital. And someone'd be yeah. looking after his child, you know? Um, <laughs> yeah. it would never be, it would never be, oh, he's going to do this without any medication. He's in like Johnny's going to push through. Like it just wouldn't. Um, so. I, you know, I just wanted to, I had to always stray away from that, basically. I do mm-hmm. what I feel like I'm going to need. And when I went in to meet my obstetrician the second time around, uh, this lovely young bloke, he just sort of said, what are you considering? And I said, look, at the minute I'm thinking C-section, but I could be talked out of it. You know, talk me through the, st- the statistics and talk me through what I might expect. Mm-hmm. Um, and he did, and then he heard out what I had to say. And I just said, well, look, I... Uh, this was my experience the first time round re-being uh, induced. I had a lot of painful sort of invasive um, checks that might not be painful for other women, but were extremely painful for me. This was the, you know, the Foley catheter situation. None of, uh, none of it worked. No one really told me why none of my induction worked um i think maybe uh the cord was wrapped around august a couple of times Mm -hmm. and he was maybe he's held up off my cervix so nothing was kind of triggering it um but i said look at the end of it a little boy came out with perfect apgar scores my c-section was whilst classed as emergency was chill as you know i'd got to chat to everyone it was lovely Mm -hmm. i said that that's the sort of um birth that i want to go for again i want to i like the idea of given that I've got high blood pressure and these are the complications that were going on, I'd like to walk in not anxious. Mm. Uh Well, <laughs> anxious, but not as anxious as I could be and, and know that my baby's going to be cut out and handed to me um in a good space as opposed to me trying and maybe something going wrong and me having to be rushed there. And I think I was surrounded by, you know, I've got two colleagues who were in the same, had just done the same, had the second mm-hmm. C-sections. um, And also I'd had, two cousins my age who'd gone for natural births were there first and had ended up with you know traumatic emergency c-sections so you know when i was looking at examples of what had happened to the you know nearest and dearest um sort of c-sections was what was what was going And oh, I've mentioned this on my blog before and I got like some women responding with like sad faces or teary mm. eyes mm. like like I'd let myself down let my baby down or like the system had let me down by not talking through what I could have mm. I should have gone with a natural birth but you know the the, the the baby is the is the winning part mm. you know not how uh they come into this world so I don't feel like I um did anything wrong and um I support women to to just make whatever choice is gonna make them feel more most comfortable.
1: For sure. I think I um, couldn't agree with you more there in terms of the sense that um your best birth is whatever that feels like to you, right? It's not yeah. um it's not society's decision to make for you. It is absolutely your own personal preference. And um I have experienced a really sort of similar thing, I guess, in the way that um My birth with Ali was a vaginal birth, but I had, you know, different interventions and still feel really positively about that experience. But other people don't feel... Positive yeah. um, for my experience, and I just think, yeah, there's a lot of interesting pressures in the birthing world. But
0: um, people say funny things as well. I yeah, remember having my baby a week after a friend, and her husband was like, "Oh, you're so you're so lucky. You didn't even have to, as if I hadn't done anything. Yeah, like you didn't yeah. even have to push." I was like, yeah. "Have <laughs> you seen a woman recover from <laughs> intensive yeah. uh, abdominal surgery? Like, what do you mean? I didn't have to go through anything. Yeah. Like, like the people just, you know, think that you're you, that that whole notion. You're too pushed to push. You're just mm-hmm. lying there." and then you're hunky-dory afterwards like you've had seven layers of your mm-hmm. insides dug into and torn into you know you're not yeah. human at the end of it yeah, uh, no. so yeah we need to change the the narrative around um c-sections for sure
1: yeah no I definitely agree with that um and in terms of preparation for your elective c-section was there anything that you did um to prepare for that and what were your plans with august for that time
0: uh, I arranged for my for mum my to come down. So I was given a date of the 16th of September, and I arranged for my mum to come down from Christchurch, which is where she lives, uh to come and look after him. And again, it was in complete denial, even though I knew what I was walking into. <laughs> I definitely thought the date was going to be changed, just because September's a busy baby time, mm. isn't it? Everyone's had sex around Christmas. uh So I just thought that, you know, my C section would be bumped off the list, but it, it really wasn't. Um, so. I think we thought about putting some music together then never did it, <laughs> uh, and I just knew the second time around what I was going into. I felt like I could be more informed about what was happening to me. I knew that I wanted to um I did ask if they did any of that uh what they do in Australia where they like they have like a see through Uh Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so you can see it happening. That was a hard no. I asked if I could do that assisted (laughs) uh gentle C section where you pull the baby out yourself. They looked at me like I was a psychopath. that was a hard no. (laughs) Um so I was just sort of resigned to, yeah, sure, whatever, just you know, just get her out whichever which way. Um so uh but coming up to the end of the pregnancy with Etta, I developed I should have Googled this before talking to you, but whatever that thing is where your cervix feels like it's cracked and completely broken. Oh, okay. not cervix, uh, your your pelvis, pelvic, uh,
1: pelvic something pain? or other.
0: It's something like that, but like the yeah. extreme version. So right. it got, so it, it started one day and then by the next day, I I genuinely couldn't walk. And a friend mm. came around and dropped off crutches. And it's just pain like I've never experienced. It was just, mm. it was just nuts. I couldn't walk. I remember going to the warehouse once and thinking, I don't think I'll get it out of here. Like, how will I physically, will someone mm. have to bring me a wheelchair to, to put me in and then push me? It was just, uh it just feels like someone's torn your pelvis apart and Mm. all the muscles are broken so coming up to the end of that pregnancy I was uh my blood pressure had really spiked um I'd had to had to leave work sort of Mm. imminently I'd gone for a um I'd gone for a, a check that morning thinking I'll toddle back to work afterwards and the and the doctor was like, No, I'm admitting you to monitor your blood pressure now. And I actually never went back to work after that point. It was just a couple of days before that second big lockdown in uh yeah. o- August. So, so I wasn't really missed because you know everything went tits up anyway. <laughs> but um uh my health had sort of declined a lot. So on top of that pelvis thing, my blood pressure was all over the shop. Uh and I was constantly being hospitalized because I was asked to, to get checked at home. And even though I was on medication uh it you know it sort of wasn't working and I was and I and I felt at that point like I um that was a really stressful time actually because I didn't quite understand no matter how much I googled what my blood pressure meant or what uh that meant for my health and the health of my baby and I was getting conflicting messages left right and center my obstetrician said nothing over the bottom number being a 100 and then then when I was when I'd walk in because it was over a hundred, another doctor would be like, Oh well, we'd say a hundred and five, and then another mm. doctor was like, Oh, you're fine. One doctor said, You're a smart woman, you should just self medicate some more of your blood pressure <laughs> meds if you feel like it. And I was like, I'm not no. that smart, I'm not a doctor. I have no idea mm. what's happening here. Um so uh I think the last month of my pregnancy was really tumultuous and really anxiety inducing because I just sort of felt that my body was working against me and I could, mm. no one could get my blood pressure under control.
1: Yeah. 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 No, I can understand that. And so do you want to talk us through when um, you sort of got closer to your elective date and um, what's going through your head before, before the surgery and um, before meeting your new little baby?
0: Yeah, I was, uh, I guess just incredibly excited and in complete denial again that, that anything was going to happen to me. Um, I went in that morning and I was lucky enough that, um, not only was my midwife there for me, but my colleague's wife is a newly, uh, newly trained midwife. So it was sort of like having a really close friend in there. She's like the ultimate earth mother who had her five children <laughs> at home in the lounge, you know, like that sort of woman and incredibly caring. So she was there as well. So it was kind of like I had a bestie in there with me who was calm and supportive. Yeah. And um, again, I thought they were going to push out my C section. So then when <laughs> they said, we're re- wheeling you into the room now. And John was desperately trying to make a playlist. Like we just neither of us are like in the in the space. Like it was as if it was the whole thing was a shock. Um, So we went in, and the music didn't even work in the end. But um, the they actually struggled that this time around to to give me a um, the spinal I. Mm they struggled to find it and in that midst I like passed out I I just heard them saying oh something's dropping and I felt like I was fainting and I had to lie in a bed for a little bit but everyone was incredibly kind. I was mortified I was like (laughs) just sit me back up it'll be fine uh but uh you know at that point they'd made John sit in in the corner they were like you sit down there while we do everything Mm. and then again it's really hard to advocate for yourself but I sat back up after you know my woozy moment and I was like I need John to be in front of me actually I don't need a you know I know you want an anaesthetist here holding my hand but I need John here here's my mm. rock so they so everyone just sort of was like yes get John over here and then I was like, I need you to talk about August so John got out of his out his phone and was showing me pictures of August to keep my mind off everything but then I had two my friend midwife and my other midwife everyone was waxing lyrical about August to the point where it was like overwhelming and I was trying not to laugh because they were like look at his beautiful face look how gorgeous <laughs> right up in my grill um but you know that's what it took for me to not pass out a second time yeah
1: yeah and do you want to talk us through um the rest of that experience and and it being born
0: uh yeah they um they wheeled me into the beautiful new glowing bright room uh that's the new OR in Dunedin and um I get quite a lot of um medical based anxiety I think my anxiety mm-hmm. always stems back to like medical or my body not feeling okay and I knew what to expect this time round. so um the first time round, I remember like whispering to John and then to Inicitis, and I said oh can you I'm sorry but could you just like push my feet back because it feels like they're going to cramp and like all the anaesthetists laughed and they were like oh your body feels however it felt when it the bottom half fell asleep so if your feet were pointing slightly forward and you were just about to go into cramp uh, that's what it'll feel like for the rest of it uh, so the that first one I felt like I was cramping the entire time but it wasn't and they were like your feet are upright normally so the second <laughs> time around I was like someone hold my feet up <laughs> in an upright position and um, I knew to ask John to like I guess always have his hands on my shoulders or head so just so I was getting some tactile feedback because you can't feel your bottom half and that's really disorientating uh so I asked for that um and I had asked for skin on skin as soon as possible uh which I think I got a little bit of, but again it was quite cold in there so uh but uh yeah they then anesthetist said we'll let you know when we start but then he didn't. So I just thought they were all getting ready. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then they were like, you've got one minute until, until your baby's here. And I th- I must have just been on another planet, just into complete denial. I was like, mm-hmm. you what? You've started the, the surgery? And they're like, yeah, we're 10 minutes deep. Mm-hmm. Where have you been? Um, so, you know, I just said, John, there's my rock talking to me. And um, I asked that the anaesthetist talk me through it so every now and again I had them like telling me what stage that I was mm-hmm. at or my midwife doing that and I'd ask my midwife and any um any student midwife to take as many pictures as possible so thankfully they were doing that for me as well yes. uh, and then the midwife one of the midwives actually captured my face when <coughs> etta came out which was just an in complete and utter disbelief that <laughs> that was my child and i was just, i think i was just lying there saying is that is she mine like that doesn't feel or look like my baby <laughs> and she was taken away um, but again she came out um absolutely perfectly with glowing apgar scores and was really healthy and as was i and um she latched straight away which was fantastic she was desperately searching for milk from the second she came out Mm -hmm. and we gave her a syringe of milk and that wasn't enough and my friend who's the midwife just brought her over and just sort of like plonked her on my breast and she was latched and I was like god what is this magic Mm. um so it it still felt like I got that you know first experiences like straight off the bat even Mm. though you know I was lying on a table
1: yeah Yeah. Awesome. And how did you go in recovery this time? Did John stay with you or what happened from from there when you got back to your room?
0: Um, It was covid times. So Mm. unfortunately I think we were at level two, which meant that um, partners weren't allowed to stay if you were on a ward. I was placed in a ward with four beds, but I wasn't the only one in there, but still there was the expectation that he couldn't be there. Um, But because I had Eta first thing on the morning, uh, it meant – uh, I had the entire day with him to, you know, support me through those first few hours and uh he and they were quite flexible. You're meant to leave at eight o'clock, but I think he left closer to ten mm-hmm. or eleven. And um I I definitely felt a lot different the second time around. It felt like I could just do everything the first mm. time around I was you know incapacitated and I couldn't move but with Etta um I wonder if you know your body's already had those muscles severed and it's and it's compensated so the second mm. time around my body was like oh yeah you can actually do this um and I felt that I was able to get up in the night and I was able to sort of change nappies and stuff um with a lot a lot a lot of help from the midwives there was one that first night my uh my catheter bag exploded and I was covered in my own way and etta had vomited all over me my phone was talking there uh my uh the so i was covered in weed the baby had vomited there was the baby also, etta had also pooed a nappy i couldn't walk i needed help to shower i needed help to get back and then when we were all cleaning up the bed and everything there was a a tub of water that we both knocked onto the floor so then the floor was flooded it was but you know the the team at um at the hospital were just wonderful and it was all a good laugh and a good joke Mm -hmm. so um i definitely felt more human Uh, the second time run also, you just, you know, you know what to ask for. I, um, Mm -hmm. actually suffer from, um, Raynaud's in my nipples. If you've heard of that, so it's, it's where the, um, like your blood vessels just don't work. Uh, and I only get that when I'm pregnant or when I've had a baby uh so that first time around I really really struggled with breastfeeding and no mm. one heard me and I knew I had Raynaud's and I remember John going you know I said can you go get the lactation consultant the first time around and John wandered off and he came back and he said she said to me she won't have Raynaud's it'll just be a bad latch and I was like oh my uh-huh. god this woman hasn't even met me and mm-hmm. she's diagnosed me from a different room mm-hmm. to my partner you know like I do have Raynaud's. Um, So. Um the, there's a blood pressure medication that you can be put on specifically that um, that stops that happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the second time around, you know, I could advocate for myself that that's ex- exactly what I wanted um, yeah. so that I wasn't suffering with, um, you know, not just the uh, the general chapped nipple situation that we go through mm-hmm. when we try and breastfeed it's that, but on steroids, it's like, uh, you know, razor blades to your nipples that don't have any blood going to them. Uh, so yeah i just felt like i could advocate for for that i knew how to breastfeed the second time around and that just sort of came quick more quickly and naturally um i knew to ask for the for the lactation consultant to get a check i knew what i could ask for uh medication wise you know the second time around you're just you've you know what's happening to you and what to expect i guess Mm.
1: yeah yeah for sure and how did you feel going home this time around and did you have a plan in terms of introducing august etta and yeah what did that all look like the second time
0: uh i spent i think it was two to three nights in hospital this time because again with my blood pressure they needed to check that i wasn't going to get sort of postpartum Mm. preeclampsia um and august did come and visit me in the hospital and my mum brought him in uh Level two, that the rules are a bit sort of wobbly there, but he managed to come in a little bit. Uh, and th- the idea was just that we were going to have as little pressure as possible. So he was quite overwhelmed when he came in, and he, he really is obsessed with bins. So we just found all the bins in the ward and we allowed him to do that. He was just, you know, had his hands or head in a bin, and his newborn sister was <laughs> of no real interest. Or he looked at her a little bit, I think. Um, so he managed to, you know, come in twice and, and, and get and see her. We'd been talking for a long time, you know, since conception about um we'd already named her from you know pretty much the first couple mm. of weeks that you know etta was coming baby etta was coming um so we just knew that we didn't want to put any pressure on him that he must love cuddle be with his sister uh because it's such a huge change for a toddler um so we just took it really slow you had those few visits in hospital and then at home it was you know if you want to come over and see her and uh, you can uh, but we did our best to to split our time. You know, it was not me who's obviously having to be more hands-on with Etta mm-hmm. to do all the breastfeeding and things. And, and uh, John would, you know, take at, uh, August on little adventures and excursions to keep him busy and occupied and make him feel like, you know, he hadn't been dumped.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Awesome. And how did you find your mental health this time around? Did you experience the same type of um, anxious feelings? What was that like?
0: uh definitely not as intense as it was with august in terms of uh feeling anxious about whether she's alive and breathing Mm -hmm. i think um again you just know what to do you've done it before when you've had a baby so i knew knew what i was looking for i'm really quite like a scheduley person so Mm -hmm. you know whilst following her, her cues of you know extra feeds and whatever i felt like i knew what sort of routine that I could get ourselves into that makes me feel more confident Mm -hmm. as well and when I know that I know what's sort of going on with her so we got into a routine pretty swiftly um and I definitely feel I mean I'm only four months postpartum so I'm definitely not out of any sort of woods yet Mm -hmm. I definitely feel uh a level of anxiety and a level of sort of Stress on top mm. of that, you know, I just moved house, so there's a lot on my plate, but, um, <laughs> yeah. but, uh, that postpartum rage absolutely has come back for me. Mm. And, and it was quite alarming because I'd forgotten what it felt like. And then when it yeah. started happening again, I was like, John, this blooming thing's coming back. Like, I, I'm angry with you. But like, but <laughs> not again. It's for no reason whatsoever. Mm. Um, so I guess I'm just working through that at the minute. And, um, I have a doctor's appointment next week. So I do intend to bring that up with her. Yeah. And I talk to anyone who wants to talk about it with Mm. them because, um, again, mental health is such a taboo subject, Mm. but even more so for mothers who are meant to look like they're coping and glamorous and it's all got, you know, we've got it all sorted. And, uh, I think, you know, being really open about the fact that actually you're going to feel a bit crazy Mm. after having a baby Uh, and uh most of what people are feeling is actually postpartum depression but even Mm. there's a taboo in admitting that um so uh no I'm definitely not 100% myself presently and I've acknowledged that and I'm just gonna sort of ride it out and get the help that I need
1: yeah Yeah. Awesome. Thank you for talking about that. I think, um, yeah, it's just really important that we try to normalize these types of things because Mm -hmm. you're right. Everybody, um, experiences postpartum differently. And I think, um, I can relate to your story a lot in the sense of that sort of feeling of rage and, um, anxiety. I definitely had with Jai and didn't even know when I was in it. I think it's really hard to be actually aware of, um, anything being different within you when it really mm. is. Um, so, yeah, I think it's really important that we talk about that
0: yeah you just don't know what's normal, do you? so you no. just think well, is it this is probably a natural reaction to being <laughs> sleep deprived and yeah. having a baby, yeah. but you know there's there's it's a spectrum, and it's you know it's not it's not you know your mm. your brain's hormones are thrown, and you probably need help to get them back to where they were yeah. uh and and as I, when I saw a psychologist, she was saying, you know your 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 childhood trauma like things that came up mm. for you when you were little and how you were parented you know come back to hit you in the face and then you're trying to be a parent so yeah um yeah. so yeah i think women we need to cut women some slack and uh, look after them as much as possible
1: yeah 100 percent. awesome well thank you so much sazi for coming on the podcast and sharing your stories with us i've really enjoyed talking to you today and i know that there's lots of people out there who will really love listening to your story so thank you thank you it's been an absolute pleasure <laughs> thanks so much for listening to this week's episode of kiwi birth tales i hope you have enjoyed it And if you're listening to this around the time that it comes out, make sure you check the Kiwi Birth Tales Instagram for a really awesome giveaway with our amazing sponsor from this week, Edwards & Co. I just absolutely love all of their products and cannot recommend them more. So super grateful that the team from Edwards & Co. sponsored this week's episode. Thanks team.